Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome in to another edition of the AP Draft Room, a very special edition as, you know, draft season's been going on. We've been talking draft for about maybe a month now or so. You've been joining us on the pod network, but man, it is officially draft season when the combine comes. We are fresh off the four straight days of combine workouts, uh, Sunday obviously wrapping up with the DBs. We've been watching that all day, and now we got some takes for you based on what we saw at the combine. It's me, Ron Kopp Jr., lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. And as always with me today, Talon Graf, Coach Graf34 on Twitter and at Brian Stewart underscore on Twitter. Fellas, Talon, I'll start with, well, you know what? I'm going to start with Brian because me and Talon had a little fun uh, Friday talking mock drafts, Brian. Were you a little jealous that we left you off the, the, the Draft Talk podcast? I, I listened, uh, and, and <laughs> that was a mistake. That's when I realized, like, I, I should have found a way to make that work, should have uh, got in there and, and, and took a part in that because mock drafts are obviously one of the funnest things you can do when it comes to this process. And it's something that teams do, too, that's pretty cool that I don't know that all fans are aware of. So uh, hopefully another chance comes around because um, I know that there are some some picks. Um, I'd like to put that GM hat on for just a minute and and kind of go through and and see where, how this thing might unfold because with Kansas City picking so late, um, it's really unpredictable. Yeah, you know, I, we'll get another opportunity. We may, I may even sneak you on the show without Talon. You know, we'll, we'll go behind Talon's back this time. But, uh, no, there's plenty of time for mock drafts, Talon. Uh, how are you feeling after a full, full weekend of Combine talk? Yeah, I feel good, man. Um, the Combine was awesome. I feel like it was loaded from day one to day four. It was just athletes all over the board. Um, but yeah, we definitely got to get Brian involved in that mock draft, whether it be all three of us or just you two. And I'm, I was um, definitely want to hear his thoughts on, on what these 32 teams are going to do. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked for this episode. The, the combine was, like I said, it was fun to watch and I'm, I'm eager to get into some of these guys. Yes. No, all we're doing today is talking prospects, guys. We all have guys that, that, that stood out to us at the combine in terms of Hey, maybe we didn't even know who they were before or just didn't watch them very, you know, very much. And now all of a sudden, ooh, we're intrigued or just guys that we have watched. And, and we looked at their numbers and, and we had some some takes uh, on, on what they kind of looked like uh, based on what we saw in film. But before that, one thing that did come out uh, today, actually on Sunday, uh, you're, you're listening to this on Monday, probably. But on Sunday, we did get a report from Ian Rappaport, uh, another Tyron Matthew update, which you know, and we've talked about it on this podcast and, and in my head, you know, we, we kind of understand that Tyron might be, you know, uh, leaving for in free agency, at least testing the market. But Rappaport confirmed that on Sunday. 
um, saying that Matthew is going to test the market. He used the word probably 10 million a year, uh, average per year salary, which, you know, does sound kind of low for what Matthew could probably demand as, as one of the, the best safeties in the NFL, two-time All-Pro the last uh, over the last three seasons. Um, Brian, I'll start with you here on Tyron. Was that a surprise to you to hear that at all? Or, you know, is, 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 what is, is there anything to take away from the report we just heard today, really? It, it's not a surprise. And I think fans who might still be, you know, kind of holding on to Tyron and what was, um, you know, you just got to kind of come to grasp with this is part of the business that is the NFL. If, if he is really going to sign for around $10 million a year, that's a price where I think they do need to think long and hard about going ahead and, and bringing right. him back. Um, but I would have no issue with them drawing the line there either. And I, I think it's just the nature, like I said, of the business. You have so many players who make a lot of money. And in his current, you know, we're going to talk about it in the episode. There are a lot of safeties in this draft yes. that they could pluck. And uh, and maybe not feel the the pain of, of his loss quite as much as you might in a normal year. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at on Tyron. What about uh, where are you at with that one, Talon? Yeah, man, I'm I'm really on the same boat, and uh, I, I think it's just time really to start looking toward the future. And Tyron, at the right price, can be a part of that future. Uh, and and that 10 million mark that Rappaport was saying, man, I you know I'm kind of with Brian. If that's the case. Okay, I mean, if not, if we're not losing out on other people because we're allocating money there, I'm okay with it. But yeah, if that if that starts to get much more, you know, into the twelve and thirteen range, I think we got to. I think the Chiefs have to bow out. Yeah, and and you know, we 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 talk about Tyron, you know, uh, possibly, you know, we need him to kind of squeeze in his contract this year. Well, one thing that could help is the reported contract extension of Tyree Kill that is happening right now. You know, obviously. That could allow his salary to get pushed back, you know, uh, you know, into the back part of his contract, open up some money maybe too. So, you know, they might be doing some stuff to try to get this to work. And if it is, like you said, roughly $10 million, you know, maybe you don't offer him the big deal, but maybe he returns on a one- or two-year deal, you know, if it's, if it's that much average per year. You know, if he's getting a four-year deal somewhere else, maybe he says, you know what, I, I want to stay in Kansas City. I'd rather take the short term for the same amount of money per year then the long-term somewhere else, even if it is a little more security to get that long-term contract, you know, you never know how this is going to go. But to me, it, you know, just naturally, I just feel like someone's going to offer him a lot more than the chiefs are willing to just cause man, like I said, he's a two-time all pro, like teams want him in the locker room. Like, you know, teams with a little more cap space or a little more flexibility than the chiefs are, are going to be willing to overpay for his leadership and everything is intangible. So that's how I see it. But you know, Hey, if it is roughly around that number that the uh, rap report put out, then we might be in business here. We'll see. It, it's going to be a fun offseason in Kansas City. Uh, I should say interesting offseason, maybe not fun. Um, interesting for sure. We're having fun here, though. And the way we're going to have fun here on today's show is, is talking more about this combine. And, you know, one of the things that we kind of came away with as a group out of this combine, you know, just how this draft is shaking out. I feel like you kind of, you know, you go into the combine, you hear a lot of people, a lot of national media say, oh, this isn't the strongest class. It doesn't have the the – the strongest players at the top, you know, I, you know, you hear people like, I think it was even Daniel Jeremiah that said like, I'd take 12 guys in last year's class over the first guy in this year's class. Um, it was one of the big games that said that. And it's just, that's pretty crazy to hear. Um, but we come into this combine and, you know, with some of these numbers we hear, you know, maybe it's not the most top loaded class, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad draft class in general, right? Brian, what is your take on this class after kind of getting a, you know, cause it's not just the numbers we get, right? It's just the talk. You hear all the talk about, you know, from, from, you know, you hear your podcast and everything. You get the talk out of this week's combine and, you know, what, what are your impressions on kind of how this draft could play out, uh, you know, just in general, not even for the Chiefs, just how it could play out for the NFL this year. It's going to be a good year to stockpile those picks day two, um, or even early day three. Um, and I think sometimes that narrative can get tossed from season to season to season. But when you're evaluating these players in depth, like, like we are and so many others do, um, you come to find that that is the reality of the situation. There are going to be a lot of guys getting pushed down that board. Um, and fortunately for Kansas City, I think at positions of need, who um, who you might be able to to pick in the 60 to 80 range or even the, the 90 to 120. And they maybe aren't day one starters, but they're players who – are going to eventually become starters. And that's something that you just can't get every year at these positions uh, that late in the draft. And on the other hand, if you're picking in the top 15 or the top 10, I don't know that you're super thrilled this year. It's kind of, it's a little more unpredictable that way, especially the quarterback needy teams that are of course up there uh, for the most part. So kind of tough to sort out, but a, a good year to have those picks day two, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, if you're I, if, if you're at the top of the draft, man, you might be wanting to to trade down, right? I mean, it might be a good year to trade down. Um, you know, maybe stockpile like those, like you're saying, those mid round picks, and uh, you know, just just maybe you know take your chance on. Hey, if we don't get this top guy, we'll get another good guy. It's not that much of a difference in that respect. But Talon, what are your thoughts on this year's draft in general? Yeah, I think this might be the year we see see a lot of teams doubling up on picks. You know, go get two edge rushers, go get two wide receivers, go. You know, right. two running backs. Um, you know, there's so so many guys that are, uh, or I'm sorry, so many positions that are deeper than most classes. That if you're really, uh, you know, searching for for some playmakers, don't don't you know, don't be afraid to dip your toe twice. Uh, you know, you can get a first round talent and then get a guy in the third fourth round that that might not be as productive day one, but come year two or three, you got a duo that's that's really scary. So um, that's something I, that I don't think we see a lot happen in the draft is doubling up on the same position as rookies and i understand why um but also i think when we look back on this after the the draft is over the top 100 players from this draft will be just head and shoulders above any draft we've ever seen wow okay i like that and i, and I do like the idea of the chiefs double dipping um especially like maybe defensive line um you know maybe even two edge rushers but even if it is like an edge rusher and interior defensive lineman you know in day one day two I definitely we're doubling up in the secondary, right? I do think the Chiefs have a, a, a multiple positions or multiple position groups. I guess they could they could double up on even receiver, man. You know they could take a high receiver and then take a receiver in the third or fourth round that still has some good value. So speaking of receiver, that's where we're going to start off with, and we're going to start naming names. We're we're name calling here, um, you know, shouting some guys out that you know maybe, and, and this is where we're going to start is is guys that. We haven't watched on film necessarily, or maybe we have a little bit, but just didn't really give them, you know, give them too much time of day. And then their numbers show up and and we're all of a sudden like, oh, we need to look at that guy a little more, right? Um, and so Brian, I'm gonna start with you on this one. Is there a receiver that kind of fit that category for you out of the, uh, this week's combine? For me, it was uh, Bo Melton uh, coming out of Rutgers. He came in about five foot 11, 190 pounds. So not the biggest receiver by any means, but 
at Rutgers specifically, he hit the quarterback play was far, far from optimal. And you have to factor that into his evaluation. Uh, all he did at the combine, he came in, he ran four, three, four on the 40, um, you know, 38 inches with the vertical, his three cone was, was third amongst wide receivers. And you know, I'll be the first to say like, don't get too caught up in numbers like this, but again, it's, it's something where you, you see that you go back to the film um, or, or in this case, go to it for the first time. Um, Cause I hadn't watched Melton's play yet. And, and you just see, okay, does it translate? And for me, I think that um, it is something that is going to a little bit. Uh, he's showing some good body control and the little bit that I've got to dive into since he worked out. Um, and I think for a day three selection, you know, round four, round five, he wouldn't have any pressure to come in and perform in Kansas City um, because of the, the weapons that are going to be in front of him. It could be a really good fit. He could develop because he, he's going to need some work, obviously, or else he would be picked at the top of the draft or towards the top of the draft. Um, and, and at a minimum, with those kind of athletic traits, you're going to get a, a plus special teams player because uh, that's something that he's got a history with as well, just on the little bit of research I've got to do. So I'm excited to look more into Bo Melton and, and see if, if there's a little bit there to be uncovered in terms of his uh, projection. Yeah, he's going to be a guy that in today's NFL, you know, a team's going to say, hey, this guy's, you know, he can create separation because he's that quick, fast. Uh, you know, he's, he's more of a slot guy, it looks like. He was used that, that way in college at Rutgers, you know, about 5'10", 190 at the combine. Um, but, yeah, no, he definitely has that speed. He definitely has that separation ability, you know, and, and I could definitely see him finding a role as a slot guy in the NFL. So I like that. Talon, is there a receiver that stood out to you in that way? Yeah, and I think he stood out to a lot of people, and he was probably on a lot of people's radars already. But Christian Watson, uh, for me, from North Dakota State, <clears throat> um, I, I dabbled a little bit in his film, not much at all. Um, but, man, his – yeah, the, the way he tested in his athletic score and, um, you know, he ran a 4-3, well, 640, um, and for his size, 6-4, just above 200. Man, that's that's a great time, and he did a lot of other things well testing-wise too. So I, I want to go back to the film and kind of see because he didn't have like these mind-blowing numbers, and so and he he played at a lesser division, so I just or a, a smaller division. Um, I just want to go back and see where teams you know focusing on him. What what was the reason why he just if he's this athletic, why is he just not completely owning every team across the field from? Him? So um, I just want to go back and see 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 what may have been causing that. Yeah, he's definitely a guy I think we all should should maybe give a, a second look to for sure. Because all of a sudden, he could be an option at number 30, a pick 30. I mean, with that testing score, uh, first of all, if you guys follow uh, Kent Lee Platt on Twitter, at MathBomb, for, the, for these uh, RAS relative athletic scores, great resource for draft time, especially right after the combine, obviously. Great resource. And he, he scored a 9.98 out of 10 on the RAS, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, actually, Next Gen Stats has the thing where I guess he had the best athleticism score for any receiver over 6'4 in combine history, or I guess since 2003, I guess since the last time they, or since that's the first time they've tracked that kind of stuff. But yeah, all of a sudden, he's looking like a first round kind of caliber talent just based on all these athletic scores, how the NFL treats this kind of stuff. I mean, why wouldn't he be a guy that that might go at that high? That's the thing, though. You're going to say that a lot about a lot of these guys after the combine. Um, but that is definitely an intriguing option. Obviously came in about 6'4", about 208. And yeah, man, moved really well, like incredibly well. 
But the, another kind of bigger guy that, that stood out to me that moved pretty well at the Combine, not as big a name, but Kevin Austin Jr. out of Notre Dame. And he does have an interesting story. So, yeah, he came in uh, at 6'2", 200 at the Combine, um, which is, you know, that's a, a pretty decent-sized receiver. You know, not too small. You know, he, I guess he could have a little bit bulk to him. But second fastest three-cone of any receiver at the Combine. The only guy that had a faster one was Calvin Austin, the, the you know, short, very small dude, track speed kind of guy out of Memphis. But the the reason he really intrigued me, honestly, is because he's this kind of bigger build, right? Has that little that quickness and that three cone drill. But he played a good amount in the snap and the slot, I should say, at Notre Dame this last year. Twenty two percent of his snaps in twenty twenty one were in the slot. I think he could kind of be that guy that that is a little bit of a Nate Tice is actually the one who who coins this phrase, I think. But the power slot, which is kind of that bigger receiver that plays a lot in the slot. I think the Chiefs, you know, they, they kind of like using, you know, their guys all over the place, right? Obviously, you know, a traditional X role, but, you know, they use Demarcus Robinson in the slot. They use Byron Pringle sometimes in the slot. This could be one of those guys that they can maybe feel comfortable moving, you know, on the outside and into the slot. But one thing I, I do want to note on him is, is he has an interesting story. So he's actually a very highly recruited player uh, coming into Notre Dame, one of the highest recruits in the country. But 2019, his sophomore year, he got suspended the entire season for undisclosed reasons. And I couldn't find any real hints at exactly what it was. I don't know if it was, you know, we have no idea. Some off-field issues. Suspended for the whole season. And then his junior year, 2020, he only plays 10 snaps because he had multiple foot surgeries on his on the same foot. So he's kind of had a weird college career 2021 he comes out and has a great year and that's why he's even in you know in the class and even in consideration but he's a guy that you know if he didn't get if he doesn't get suspended if he doesn't get hurt he might be a higher profile name because he was a, a very big recruit like i said out of high school so a guy i'm definitely interested in for sure but i want you guys thoughts on a few other guys uh you know alec pierce the receiver out of cincinnati i mean man i i really like those numbers i mean he looks like a guy that could be a steal in the in the third um, he might even be a higher pick than that at this point. And then my guy, Garrett Wilson, I, you know, I got to shout him out because he's my wide receiver one. He came in a little smaller than I thought, honestly. But that almost that almost makes me more impressed with how he looked on tape because he did not look the size he was on tape. You know, he's, he actually came in about 5'11", about 183. I thought he was about six foot plus, closer to 200. So pretty impressed with Garrett Wilson. Ran faster than his teammate Chris Olave in the 40. Pretty crazy. Um, any any other guys at receiver or any comments on Alec Pierce or Garrett Wilson, fellas? In terms of Pierce, um, yeah, he blew me away. I, I, I definitely didn't see that coming. And I, I know he, um, even on film, you can tell that he has the foot speed. And so uh, still, though, the question for me is going to be the play strength and, and is he going to be able to work in those short to intermediate areas against some of the the stronger corners in the league, but you can't take anything away from what he did this week. And um, the other one that I think is worth talking about is Traylon Burks, because yeah. a lot of people would say, you know, kind of underwhelming. It, you, you expect a little bit more of a, a freak show type performance from him. And he came in, I would have guessed four, four, five was going to be like his floor for the 40. Um, and he ran four, five, five, but you know, I would I would say let's not overthink it either because right. just watching play, all the guy does is is run away from defend defenders and and he kind of ruins their angles in the second level. So uh, I, I don't think he plays at four or five five. I think he's well above that. And so you know, if he, if he falls down the board towards where the Chiefs are picking, it's something that I think they're going to have to strongly consider. Um, but I still don't think that's probably going to happen either.
Yeah. No, I do think the thing with Burks is, is he might not be the, the, the quickest or the most burst explosive guy. Um, I do think it takes, you know, it might take him a, a step or two to get going, but that's one of those things where you might, you might look at the, and I don't have the number, but you might look at his flying 20 number, right? You know, the, the 20 yards from 20 to 40 and he might, you know, it, that score might be, or that speed might be, you know, faster than a lot of other receivers, but uh, yeah, receiver class is going to be an interesting one, obviously to follow, but let's talk offensive line now, uh, you know, offensive tackle is obviously kind of the, 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 the bigger position for the chiefs, you know, I don't know how many interior offensive linemen the chiefs are going to be looking at, especially earlier in the draft when they have three starters locked up, you know, depth is always important, but that might be a later round thing. Talon, I'll start with you, though. Is there an offensive lineman, tackle or guard, you know, whichever one, is there an offensive lineman that you didn't really look into too much before the combine that, that kind of stood out to you from his numbers? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, Cole Strange <clears throat> um, mm. from Chattanooga. Um, and I'm assuming Great that's Tennessee Chattanooga, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah you gotta, yeah. Um, but anyway, this is a guy that really came out of nowhere for me. I, I was not aware of him at all, but yeah, he's a big guy, six, four, over 300 pounds, um, athletic freak, apparently. And he, he can move really well. So if you want to put him interior and pull him, if you want to put him, in, um, I think he's probably good enough to play right tackle, honestly. Um, a little bit undersized, not perfect ideal weight or, or height for, for the right tackle spot, but, but the way he moves and, and the power that he probably possesses and, um, dude, yeah, I, w- I would trust him in any of those four spots. Um, across the board. And I think that's something that I really want to look more into again, small school guy, um, but with yeah. a score like this, that, 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 that says a lot. And that's how these small school guys get noticed, right. Is, is putting up big numbers at the combine. Brian, do you have somebody from the offensive line? You, you kind of, that stood out to you. I'm honing in on Kellen Deesh, um out of Arizona state, his yeah. relative athletic score that we've been discussing a little bit with these players, a 9.78 out of 10. And, Reason that I'm not even so much focused on that, but there were some reports um, that I had saw on, on Twitter and so on and so forth about the Chiefs being interested in this player. And it's interesting to me because he fits more the profile of the offensive tackle of the past several years they've had. You know, think maybe more in the the, the cut from the cloth of like an Eric Fisher, more athletic. Yeah, um, you know. Just to put it in perspective, he did all of the measurements that you do at the combine as an offensive lineman, except for bench press. Um, and I don't think that the bench press is terribly important, you know, for especially for offensive tackles. But um, the fact that he didn't even do it, I think probably says, you know, that he definitely is lacking in that area. Um, but developmental wise, it could be something they're looking at for for the right tackle position. Cause we know how much they love Orlando Brown. And um, so I'll be interested to see if that comes to fruition, if there really is legs to the idea that they like the player, because athletically everything's there. Um, it's just a matter of where does he fall in the draft and, and is it good value for the chiefs? I like your, your point though, on, you know, Hey, the offensive attack, there was a certain type of offensive tackle that it seemed like the early version of the chiefs, Andy Reed team, liked right you know uh athletic just offensive line in general right i think any position on the offensive line and that's still true to an extent you know you don't want guys that can't move especially with the screen game that he can do but i do think we we've seen him obviously value i think uh power strength brute you know just brute strength a little more than than speed obviously you know 
the Orlando Brown trade is one example. You know, Trey Smith is a guy that can move, but he's more known for his power or brutality, right? You know, and I think Creed Humphrey, you know, he can move as well too, but kind of in that same vein, I think. Um, and Lucas Nang is obviously a good example too. So I do, I do like that point that right, the right tackle position, if, if you're kind of looking for a guy in the draft, it is going to be a bigger guy. It's going to be a more powerful guy probably. They're not probably looking for these finesse guys. You know, I actually I, – I mentioned Rasheed Walker in an article earlier this offseason. You know, the more I think about it, he's probably not a guy that fits uh, what the Chiefs want at, at offensive tackle, honestly, because he is a little smaller, just more finesse guy than, than powerful. But the guy that may fit, that kind of stood out to me, obviously, from his numbers, I haven't looked into him as much, but Matt Willetsko from North Dakota State. I might be saying that name wrong, but th- this dude has huge arms, huge hands. It, his hands were over 11 inches, just this massive human being, Matt Willesco is. Had a 30-inch vertical and a 9.5 broad jump as well, which a 9.5 broad jump was the fourth best of the offensive linemen. So not only is he this huge dude, he's also, you know, he's also got some explosion to him, apparently, for his size. So that's a guy I'm going to definitely look at a little more because I don't think he's going to be a, high, a very high pick it, it, from what it sounds like. Um, and so he could be a guy that could maybe be a decent right tackle option later in the class, obviously from a smaller school. But, you know, on AP Draft Talk, Talon mentioned a guy that, that did say it out to me from the combine. His guy, he picked him in the first round. And honestly, after the combine, might be a, a, a pretty nice pick. Sean Ryan from UCLA. Um, I noticed, you know, a hey, 33 and a half inch vertical is the highest among the offensive line uh, this year, 95th percentile and has monstrous hands uh, over 11 inches, too. But his his arms aren't very long, which which might you know lend to him being a guard uh, more than a tackle, maybe at the NFL level. But he was a starting left tackle at UCLA for three years. Talon, I'll give you a chance maybe to, you know, if anyone didn't check the draft talk show, but I know you kind of have a connection to Sean Ryan and. He had a good combine, man. They got anything else to say about him? Yeah, I was happy to see him perform the way he did. That's what I expected him to look like. I was hoping he would do that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm pulling for that guy. I, I, you know, I, I like the dude. He, he, what he represents in terms of, uh, you know, just everyday day in and day out workout. Um, uh, put the blinders on, axe to the grind, and, and let's get to work. Right. That's just kind of what he does. Uh, uh, you know, punch in, punch out kind of guy. And that's what I love. And that's what a lineman is. And that, yeah, Sean Ryan, I love the versatility. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I was happy to see him perform as well as he did. Another guy real quick before we move on, Bernard Raymond. I really like this guy the more I watch him. I, I watched him actually a decent amount um, when I was grading the offensive tackles or ranking the offensive tackles. And I, I really like this guy. Uh, you know, it's kind of weird to say just because, you know, you don't want to just compare a guy because they went to the same college. But he does he does look like Eric Fisher. Um, he does play like Eric Fisher a little bit. And, and they both went to Central Michigan, obviously. But – I think he could be a guy that that becomes a solid left tackle. Maybe not this, just like Eric Fisher, right? You know, maybe not the guy that everyone wants, not the guy that you're you're rushing to pay a bunch of money to, but you're also winning games because he's a deep, you know, a, a strong left tackle and a guy that's going to do the job and and hopefully, you know, be uh, durable like Eric Fisher was. But moving on to edge, edge rushers. Brian, you picked out a guy that I think we all had to, right? Because because of how he the numbers did. But uh, why don't you introduce us to the first edge you that popped off to you? Yeah, I'm starting out with uh, Kingsley Enigbare. Um, he comes from, um, gosh, I, sorry, South guys. Carolina, South Carolina, Game South Carolina. Carolina. Yes, and uh, so I watched him very early in the process, and to be honest, wasn't, wasn't super impressed. And I was seeing him ranked pretty high on some of the lists that were out there for edge players 
um, pretty much always within the top 10. And I just didn't really see it on the, on, on the film. I thought that he looked stiff and he didn't really look like the kind of player who had a much upside in terms of becoming an, an actual threat as a pass rusher in the NFL. And then you watched him work out, work out this week. Um, did nothing really to change my mind. Um, his, his RAS score was a 6.48. So very middle of the pack. Um, you know, he did do a good job in terms of his vertical, but I'm more so even just talking about the way that he moved on the field and the drills. Yeah, It just, it, it looks kind of laboring in a way that for his size, um, being a, a defensive end and, and he's not going to kick inside or anything like that. Um, just a little too laboring for my taste. And so where he's getting mocked in the second round and um, that's pretty much kind of always where he's been. I just don't see it. And and I don't think that the Chiefs should even think about him at um, pick 60, 62, or really even beyond that um, third round. I, I would wait till day three before I even considered taking uh, Enugba. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. With this edge class, how it feels like it's shaking out, he might be a guy that gets pushed pretty far down the list um, because you're right. He he is a, a powerful player. I mean, he, he shows that definitely. But, you know, you can't just be powerful. You got to have a little more than that, too. And, you know, you're not going to be as powerful against the NFL lineman as maybe. Although he was an SEC rusher, so that, that helps him a little bit. But I agree with that, Brian. I definitely uh, am not – he wouldn't be an exciting pick. That is for sure. But definitely someone that kind of fits their size, physique profile kind of thing the Chiefs like to look at for edge. So it is it is someone they'll consider, I'm sure. Um, but I'm with you. Talon, is there an edge rusher uh, from the combine that, that really stood out to you that you hadn't looked at before? Um, not really. Not that I hadn't seen or not that I didn't expect a lot from. Um, but someone that I did expect a lot from that really kind of underwhelmed me a lot was Tyreek Smith from Ohio State. Um, I ah. kind of thought he was flying under the radar a little bit, but after that combine, maybe not, maybe that's just, um, maybe he's just, that's who he is, right? He's a decent football player. Who's going to be a solid day three pick. Um, but I do want to go back and at the film and, and kind of look and were my eyes lying to me? What was I missing? You know, sort of that. Cause I really did think this was a guy that is going to be a sneaky dark horse. You know, if he slides into round three, he's going to be a steal. But, um, after the combine, I just, it's, it's not what I thought. It's not what I thought I would see. I didn't see the explosiveness. I didn't see the, the, the 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 fluidity that I thought I saw in film. So I'm I'm gonna go back and maybe maybe relook at him. Yeah, he finished or he came in at 6'3, 254. His arms, you know, 33 and a quarter isn't crazy bad or anything, but you know that, that height, you know, that's that, that is a little short for what you'd what you'd want um for for that lack of explosion. You know, you'd hope at that size maybe you're a little more explosive. So I see what you're saying there. You know, I the 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 name of the combine for edge rushers has to be the Virginia tech edge rusher, Amare Barno, um, who I had really no clue about, or I hadn't looked at really at all, but he comes in at six, five, two forty six, and then runs a four, three, six, 40 yard dash. Just absolutely ridiculous. Fastest for a de- defensive end prospect since 2003 in the 40 yard dash has a 37 inch vertical and a 10, 11 broad jump, which 11 feet is, is a very good broad jump. So, yeah, all of a sudden, he's a guy that I'm sure a lot of teams are going to kind of be circling back to and looking at. And actually looking at RAS, he kind of, uh, you know, Kent actually made a, a pretty direct comparison to Daniel Hunter. And they actually, you know, size-wise, profile-wise, 
they do shape up. Now that's the thing. This is where we want to go back and watch because there's a reason I hadn't heard of Barno. I don't think you know he he maybe wasn't as productive or maybe wasn't very impressive in college. Might just be one of those guys that's really impressive at the combine, but maybe not impressive on the film. So I definitely want to go back and see that. But one other guy that we need to talk about here because he's he was he's been a name for a couple years in Chiefs Kingdom draft wise. Majai Sanders from Cincinnati. This is this is one of those things where context is important. So he comes in at 228, just an unbelievable number for an edge rusher. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's that, that is a crazy number. But then you then you hear later that apparently he did all his drills, but he has been battling an illness the last few days. Uh, he's been having trouble keeping food down while feeling fatigued. He saw medical per- personnel to help manage it, but still felt it all night. He said, and that makes sense because he did weigh in at 242 at the Senior Bowl. I don't think a guy like him would be wanting to lose 14 pounds by the combine. I think if anything, he's trying to put on a little weight. And that was always kind of, I was really excited to see maybe if, if he did put on some weight and, and perform well with that weight at the combine. Um, but Talon, what did you think about Sanders' combine? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Cause yeah, he definitely seemed little, but if that illness is going on, maybe, you know, if that's a, uh, if that's reasoning, maybe at the pro day, he, he does a little something different, but um, right. Yeah, I, w- I just wanted to touch on Cameron Thomas really quick because I know we've talked about him a Ooh, lot with yes. San Diego State. Um, he got injured at the Senior Bowl. We we talked about how big this combine was going to be for him. He he got injured during a drill at the combine, and to my knowledge, wasn't even able to really compete there either. So, with the injuries that are occurring already, that's going to hurt this guy's stock. Um, he's probably going to start sliding down boards. You're probably going to start to see him going more in the second round, maybe even the third. I'm not sure how far this is going to send him. But, but yeah, the fact that this guy's dealing with injuries right now, it, the timing is pretty bad. But um, you never know if he can get healthy, and he might end up being a steal for somebody. But right now, yeah, I'm probably going to take him out of my first round. It's going to be one of those things where we don't know what NFL teams are going to take away, right? Are they going to Are they going to kind of ignore this and be like, okay, it was just a bad – period for him will still value him a certain way or will this you know affect their their thinking of, of both those guys right thomas and sanders um yeah and and one other guy i want to mention too just because he did have a good a, a good combine but um could still maybe not rise his draft stock is sam williams the edge rusher from Ole miss um so first of all i mean absolutely great combine uh 9.53 ras um, comes in has the second best 40 yard dash of all the defensive ends, 446, which is a very fast, very fast 40 time. He came in at 261. So he's moving some weight at that, that, that 446. And also had an elite uh, 10 yard split as well. So he's, he's got some explosion, but, you know, he's going to be an interesting one. Um, I, I actually saw Chad Forbes, a, a draft cover. He actually kind of compared Williams' uh, situation right now to Justin Houston's pre draft, if you guys remember. Justin Houston had some off-field issues. His was uh, marijuana-related, and he fell to the third round. Chiefs happened to take advantage and pick a guy that definitely shouldn't have been picked in the third round. But Sam Williams might kind of have that same – you know, he. Was, I don't think – I think Houston was a lot more uh, dis- disruptive and everything in college. But the, the thing with Sam Williams, I just want to, you know, just be open with the listeners. Uh, uh, what happened, I guess, is he was arrested on a felony charge of sexual battery in the summer of 2020. Uh, just shortly after, a few months later, the charges were dropped. But, you know, that's all the information we know. And that's that's the thing. NFL teams are going to dig on that more, right? But that could lead to him slipping a little bit. So just want to give Sam Williams, a, you know, a little bit of time just because he could be a guy that's a very talented guy that slips in the class. And and the Chiefs are are known across the NFL as, as a team that will take it or, you know, take a chance at those guys. So 
Brian, I'll give you, uh, you know, your opportunity to, if you have any other addressers from the combine that, that stood out or just any, any other addressers you want to talk about. A uh, quick hit on uh, Arnold Ebikidi and Boye Mafe. Yes. Those are players we talked about last week. And, you know, we expected Mafe to crush it, and he did. I think I think he scored like a perfect 10 on, on the scale um, or right up against it. But right. I didn't expect Ebikidi to do some of the stuff that he was able to, uh, to, to do in terms of testing. And so now you do have to ask. Uh, I, I don't know that this is a player that can get – down to the end of the second round. I would say it's it's not. And in fact, the Chiefs' one chance at him is probably going to be that first pick. If, they, if they're just really sold and in love with the player, that first pick, whether it be 30 or a trade back a little bit lower down, he, he really did a good job. And um, I don't think anyone really thought he was going to meet those numbers that he was able to put, uh, post this week. Yeah, no, th- those Penn State guys, man, they are ridiculous. Some of the numbers they put up. And we're not done talking about Penn State guys. So uh, we will be right back after this break, and we will talk more, guys. Uh, we'll start with the defensive tackle class, but right after this break. Back in here on the AP Draft Room. Thanks for joining us, listeners. It's an exciting time. It's draft season. We're talking about the Combine. Over overvaluing what happened when these guys were running around in spandex, but that's what it's all about, right? And we just talked about some edge rushers. Now we're going to get into some defensive tackles because I do think you know the Chiefs could use any sort of talent on the defensive line, whether it's inside or outside. And I'm going to start here because one guy that I had taken a teensy look at before but did not expect the combine he had was defensive tackle Thomas Booker from Stanford. Uh, scores a 9.81 RAS relative score. Um, and this is a guy that when I kind of first saw him, I just said, oh, he's looks like a, a decent Derek Nottie replacement in terms of looks like he's a, a pretty thick dude, one tech kind of guy, hard to block, hard to stay in front of, you know, not a guy that's going to get driven back by a double team. He's going to be able to, you know, keep it, you know, keep it. Uh, just maybe not have the pass rush ability. You know, that's what we've all talked about with Nottie. But I don't know. All of a sudden, Booker has this great athletic scores in terms of his broad jumps, one of the better ones. He has a great 40-yard dash. His 10-yard split is elite. Then he has, the, then he has these three-cone and shuttle uh, numbers that are really good. He's moving a lot better than I thought he was. I, I, I pencil him in as just a one-tech kind of guy, but maybe this is a guy that I, I should give a little more credit that he can move around the defensive line a little more, maybe play three and one-tech or just kind of you know be more than just an A-gap kind of player. So that was one guy like uh, Booker. He's kind of a third or fourth round prospect, it seems like, maybe a little later. So we'll see, although this could move him up. Brian, who do you have? Do you have any defensive tackles? I have a few names that we could go into. Any defensive tackles you got? I've got a Georgia defensive tackle, but it's not the one that most people are going to talk about. Says I, I haven't watched a ton of Devontae Wyatt, and it was mostly because, you know, I saw what he did at the Senior Bowl, and you just kind of assume that a player of that caliber is is going to be maybe out of the Chiefs' reach. You know, he did well, right? Um, then this week, you know, relative to defensive tackles, and he he's six foot two, six foot three, um, a little bit shorter, and in, in terms of, you know, he can use that to his advantage in terms of leverage. Um, but when you put up numbers like he did, and he was towards the very top of the list of defensive tackles at basically everything um he almost hit a 10 on the relative athletic score yeah it's easy to get caught up in in what the other georgia defensive tackle did and i I won't go in on that in case anyone else wants to but 
Um, I got to give him some love because this is a player now who I would think is definitely in the top 20 for sure. Um, and if he does fall down in the Chiefs range somehow, even though they really don't need you know, a penetrating three-tech type, which is obviously what Chris Jones does, he would be really hard to pass up. I think he's kind of solidified himself as someone who's going to be a really good pro. You know, I do think, though, um, he could be kind of what we all maybe hoped Jaron Reed would be last year in terms of a guy that can maybe play some one-tech, not, not be complete. Although, you know, maybe at first it is going to be different being able to take on an NFL double team um, at his size. I do think he could, he can eventually do it, but you know, he's not going to be, you know, be able to do that maybe as well as you'd like right away, but he does have the requisite size frame, I think built into that. But yeah, I think he could maybe be that kind of guy that could do that and be a penetrator guy with Chris Jones on the line. He doesn't have to necessarily be penciled into that three tech. So I like that. I like that call. You're right though. You know, maybe it's a, more of a BPA than a need at that point, you know, in the first round. But, you know, like I said, they could use all the talent in the world on defensive line, no matter what position. But Talon, do you have another defensive tackle from from the combine or just any defensive tackles you want to talk about? I do. Uh, Ioma Uwazariki from Iowa State. Oh, yeah. Uh, great, a, great, great, uh, great, great effort. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure you, I'm sure you said it right, but uh, you, you, you definitely didn't stumble through that. So I'm going to go ahead and say you said it right. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I, I give my best. Um, so yeah, the dude is like six, six, three, sixteen. um, big body guy, but he moves with, with, with some, with some gumption, um, for that size, he was moving around those bags. He, he put on a pretty sick spin move in one of those drills. Um, so I like the way he moves and I like the way he can change direction. Um, and uh, he, he he jumped the, the highest out of the vert, um, being 6'6". But, yeah, uh, 316 pounds, he jumped the highest out of any defensive tackle um, in the class. He didn't do every all the testing, um, all, the, all the drills like that. But the drills he did perform in, um, I thought, helped him out a lot. And I think he would, he, he would look really nice across from Chris Jones. Two guys that size that can move as well as they both do in, in, in a short, compact area. Man, good luck to interior defensive linemen. Yeah, he's definitely going to be a guy I need to go back and look at. Um, I did not, I did not have him on the docket when I was looking at defense tackles. So definitely a guy I want to go back and look at. Another guy, real quick before we move on, you know Neil Farrell Jr. I feel like he was he's a, a name you kind of see a lot if you're doing you know full mock drafts, seven round mocks. You kind of see him, you know, maybe in the fifth or sixth round, maybe a little earlier. But man, his RAS was awful. Um, he had a very bad combine. Um, he had a one point three one. Res and that actually even comes with being great size wise. He he actually was a great um, composite size grade, you know, at the six four three thirty. But man, he he wasn't moving well at all. So he's going to be that kind of one tech guy. But I mean, I don't know that that kind of athletic testing. Not a lot of teams are going to take a chance on that. So he might be a guy that I might want to go back and look. I mean, is this guy going to be super underrated? And then all of a sudden, you know, you you can get him really late in the draft, and he's actually a a decent player just because he had this bad athletic testing. A guy that kind of fits that category, too, is current Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. Had a terrible combine, slipped way down, you know, into the third round. And now you're seeing that, you know, sometimes that stuff just really does not matter, especially on the in the trenches. Um, I, you know, we'll, we'll see with Neil Farrell. But and he's from LSU. I don't know if I said that. But let's move on to linebackers. One guy that uh, stood out to me just because I do think for what the Chiefs kind of could maybe draft that linebacker with the guys they already have. I think this guy makes a lot of sense, and that is Penn State's Brandon Smith. Um, he comes in at about 
Uh, let's see. Comes in at six three, six three and a half, two fifty. So that's pretty big for a linebacker. That's why I think maybe it makes sense for him to be a Sam type and a maybe a special teams kind of guy too. Because the thing is, at that size, he tested insanely well. He had a nine point nine nine RAS. Has a huge arms and hands too. I I just realized that almost more than thirty four and a half inch arms, which is which is very good. Um, but yeah, has an elite score in the forty, elite score at the vertical, the broad. Definitely an explosive kind of guy. His size, I think he'd be a, a any Penn State option. Like I said earlier, those those defenders, man, they seem to get those freaks um, in Penn State. So yeah, I, I could see him kind of being a Sam uh, special teams kind of dude right at first um, out of Penn State. So I'm excited about him. Maybe guys, do you have any linebackers that you came away with impressed? I'll I'll start with Brian here. Yeah, I got one, and I don't really think full disclosure. I don't really think this is a player who's probably going to be a chief. But somebody who I kind of like, and that's Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, now, that being said, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago about, you know, kind of what they could do at linebacker now that Anthony Hitchens is gone and, and how they really don't need to invest much in the position. Rodriguez doesn't really answer a ton of the, you know, the hole that they might have there right now as far as a base starting linebacker. I don't think he's someone they would draft and say, okay, have at it, kid. You, you, you're going to start day one in the base package. But um, he was yeah. a team captain at Oklahoma State, you know, by all accounts, really smart, in- instinctive type player. And he has to be because he's five foot 11 playing inside linebacker. Um, but also being five foot 11 and a little bit lighter weight, um, he, he's super athletic and he showed that. And he, he was elite in terms of his 10 yard split, 20 yard split, 40 yard dash. And um, and his vertical was almost 40 inches. So even though he is got an uphill battle ahead of him with that size, I think there's definitely a scenario where he can leverage that athleticism and, and smarts and become a productive linebacker on passing downs. Maybe that's something that the Chiefs see and want to uh, you know take a chance on as a as a dime type player, a, a Dorian yeah. O'Daniel replacement. I think. You know, if the Chiefs did draft him, at a minimum, he can do what Doriano Daniel has done for the last few seasons and be a really good special teamer. But maybe there's also an outcome where he does more than that, and he's able to uh, give them quality depth at, at the Will linebacker spot. So uh, the name there, Malcolm Rodriguez at Oklahoma State. He's an intriguing one to look deeper into. Yeah, no, that's a good call because I, I say, you know, a Sam fit, but you know, Spags likes to have his own dime linebacker, uh, you know, separate from the other linebackers, it seems like. Um, and Ben Neiman is a free agent right now, although we don't know for sure. He, he could be back, um, which, you know, for better or for worse. But, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, you know, they, they are losing Dorian or Daniel, too, and they need – they like their special teams guys. And, and if they're picking a linebacker, I do think the guy just has to be able to play special teams. They're not going to pick a linebacker that's not athletic enough to be a special teamer. It just wouldn't make sense. Um, with the fact that they already have their two starters, that, that third guy needs to be a special teamer. But Talon, you have a linebacker you want to talk about here? I do. <clears throat> Another small school guy, uh, Montana State, Troy Anderson. Um, yeah, no, this guy that, has the name of the combine. Yeah, yeah, he, he's uh, he's very popular right now. But the guy that, you know, back in 2012, the apple of my eye and probably a lot of people's eyes were, was Luke Keekley, And he went two picks before uh, the Chiefs took on Terry Poe. Um, but – when you compare Troy Anderson's RAS score to Luke Keekley's, it's almost identical. Um, although he's a little bit bigger, he's a little bit faster. 
Um, the only thing that Luke got him on was the vert. He's a, he came in just a hair under there, but um, boy, if Troy Anderson can can uh, take that one step further and play like Luke Keekley and develop like Luke Keekley, um, man, Anderson could be a little bit of a steal. And I know the Chiefs don't have a dire need a linebacker, but when you when you see a guy like Troy Anderson and he's sitting there now, if it's going to cost the Chiefs a second round pick, I don't want to do it. But third round, man. Yeah. This guy could offer a lot for your team, and I think you know he's an athletic freak. He's he's one of those guys that's a uh, has a nose for the football. Um, so wherever he's on the field, I think he would be great as a will. I think he would be great adding depth behind Gay and Bolton, and then he could he could offer special teams value as well. And I, um, he, he's a bigger size guy, so he's probably not going to spend a lot of time, um, you know, in in pass coverage. But I think he's a he's a really versatile player, or not versatile player, but a very dependable player that could could be used um, in different ways. Well, yeah, no, I did think versatile fits him because, I mean, this dude was a quarterback and a running back in college at Montana State before switching over to the defensive side of the football. So you see where the athleticism comes from. And when you talk about maybe refining his skills and, and getting closer to a Keekly, I mean, he, he has the room to grow, right? It's not like this is a finished product at all. So I think he's going to be a guy that shoots up the draft boards, though, because of that, where teams really bet on that potential. Because, yeah, he did go off on the, at the Combine. Always kind of cool to see those really small school guys. I mean, Montana State. I mean, that's that's that's. I don't know if there's any been ever an NFL player from Montana State. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. But uh, one other linebacker before we move on, I, I did want to hit on real quick, just because I've watched him a little bit, uh, watching some Cincinnati defensive tape. Darian Beavers uh, did have a good combine. You know, he comes in at six four, two thirty seven. You know, pretty good size for a linebacker, but then goes off at the three cone has a 6.9 second three cone, which is faster than some of the receivers. Actually, a lot of the receivers, um, 6.91 second three cone, 36 and a half inch vertical too. So yeah, I knew he was a big dude that could bring that weight into tackles and, and kind of those block engagements. But if he can be that explosive at that size too, he's an exciting player. Um, and he, he did drop, you know, about 15 pounds from the senior bowl. So he might be, you know, he might be a little more athletic than he could be when he maybe puts the weight back on, depending on, if the NFL teams to tell him to, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I like him as a prospect, although I do think he'd be a, a guy that gets taken before the chiefs need to take a linebacker or um, just cause you know, he, he, he projects to be like a, a starting off ball linebacker kind of, you know, to a Nick Bolton type or, or a, you know, a, a Willie Gay type. So he, he, I don't know if he's going to be picked as a guy that's just going to be the third linebacker, but moving on, we got some defensive backs to talk about here. And this is, I think this is these are the positions that the Chiefs, you know, we could really be seeing, you know, first round, obviously, um, but just doubling up it maybe even too. you talk about earlier, double dipping. Brian, when you look at the safety position or the cornerback, I'll let you kind of choose here, uh, but we can maybe start safety here. Um, is there any safety prospect that stood out to you at the combine? One that I haven't got to dive into yet was the other Baylor safety, JT Woods. Um, you know, yes. I've spent plenty of time on Petrie. Uh, Jalen Petrie, and I think he he did really well too. But JT Woods, basically at the top, you know, two, three with every test that the safeties did today. And um, it could be a situation where that, that means something or it could mean nothing. But I, I definitely want to look and see, okay, is it, clearly he has the, the requisite foot speed to play in the league. Um, you know, what else could he do? Is he just a pure free safety? Is that something that, you know, because we know we have, the Chiefs have Juan Thornhill, but if Tyron Matthews on the way out, I think it's fair to say they're going to want some a safety play to come in that can do different things. And 
And so if Woods can do some of those different types of uh, uh, positions that they like to move guys around into, um, maybe he's someone they can aim for a little later on in the draft, not round one at 30 or uh, even maybe round two. He might make it a little further down. And so JT Woods out of Baylor is one I plan on looking at this week. Man, Woods had a way better RAS than, than Petrie. Petrie's was in the fives, and Woods is 9.84. Had an elite 40, elite 10-yard split, 20-yard split, and had really good explosive grades too. So great call. I think all those Baylor players, honestly, all the prospects, man, they all had great days. Obviously, Tyquan Thornton, the receiver, nearly broke the freaking 40-yard record uh, unofficially. Um, but Talon, you got a safety prospect you, you were especially excited about to go back and look at a little more? Yeah, Maryland's Nick Cross. Um, yes. Yeah, tested, yep. yeah, tested unbelievably. He scored a 9.9 um, in the RS. But, dude, yeah, he he's a guy that I yeah I, I just didn't look into um, very much, and, and he didn't even crack my top ten for safeties. Um, but, yeah, after this, man, I'm going to have to go go back and look at that and, and reevaluate there. And, um, yeah, man, Nick Cross from Maryland uh, could be a guy that, Sneaks into that second round conversation could be a second round pick for the Chiefs um, at, at, at safety, and if he falls there, man, that you know, I'm not sure if he will after this. Um, but but for me, Nick Cross could be a fit. Could be a fit. Yeah, no. The thing with him is he he's a little heavier than the other safety prospects, kind of in his range, and he tested better than them explosively. And then also in the 40 yard dash, had an elite. You know, he ran four four flat, which is which is crazy, uh, which is a very good number, especially at his weight of 212. So, yeah, I, I like Nick Cross. That's the thing, though. You, it's a great point to make right here, though. But, you know, when we make those top 10 articles early in the offseason, man, you know, it, it's hard to, to get eyes on every single prospect. And that's why the combine is so important because this athletic stuff matters, man, and it makes us go back and watch. And, and that's how these guys get discovered. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole process. And there's plenty of guys from this combine that that'll – that we'll watch a lot more now that we, we get the good numbers on them. But a guy that we did watch and we all had eyes on, we all have opinions on was Lewis seen from Georgia and man, did he have a combine? I mean, absolutely killed it uh, this weekend. Actually enough for, for senior bowl director, Jim Nagy to, to send off a heck of a tweet. Uh, this is directly from him. Heard from multiple teams that Georgia's Lewis seen blew them away in interviews is he the first safety off the board now after running four three seven and jumping eleven foot one inch? There were some teams that had first round grades on him before doing all that. Now, I don't know if he just forgot about Kyle Hamilton for this tweet because he says first safety off the board, which is is pretty crazy. Because I mean, Hamilton is is the consensus. I mean, he might be the best player in the draft. So maybe he just meant besides Hamilton. But at the same time, man, I, I seen really did really did earn him some money. I mean, you look at his nine point seven six RAS. The worst thing he did was weigh in at 199 pounds at a 6'2 height. That is kind of light, which, you know, that's that's one maybe downside of him. But, you know, he, he's willing. He has a willingness to tackle. I mean, that's one thing that stands out about him, right? We all know that. Maybe he's not the greatest form tackler, but he's willing to throw his body out there. And so that weight, you know, it's not like he's this soft player because he's a little lighter. Runs a 4'4 flat. Runs a 1.55 10-yard split, which is pretty impressive as well. Obviously, that like I said, the eleven foot one inch broad jump is really good. Yeah, Lewis Cena all of a sudden could be a guy that maybe doesn't even make it to thirty for the Chiefs. But you know what that does do is maybe push down some guys like Dax and Hiller, Jaquan Brisker, to for sure be there at thirty. 
but we'll see, man. Seeing all of a sudden, you know, if he is at there at 30, he might be, he might be my pick, honestly. Um, just because that, that kind of, those kind of numbers, man, it, it's really impressive. And he is a guy that played for that Georgia defense, right? Uh, any takes on scene, Brian? Yeah, I was just going to say, this is my wheels are turning a little bit. I feel like, okay, they're going to need a safety, starting safety. If we are two weeks in the future and they have made a bunch of moves on the defensive line to where you know that they're probably not going to go round one edge or, or defensive tackle, um, I'm going to be sitting there saying, okay, they're, they're going to take kind of one of these safeties or corners that falls into their lap because there are so many at this point. I mean, I was kind of viewing seeing in a box that he clearly doesn't belong. And it maybe it was just the fact that playing on that defense, the opportunities to defend the pass downfield, they were less common than maybe they should have been or would have been in other places because their front seven's so dominant. So there's all these good quality safeties that are falling down in that range, uh, late first, early second. And I can really see why the Chiefs would say, okay, we're going to let this play out and take one of these guys that ends up there because it's it's looking really, really good right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the, sa- the safety position, it's just so strong, like you said, right at that bottom of first, early second where – yeah, it could just be the best position to pick at that point. Um, it is kind of exciting. That's why I feel like we've gotten such a, a good look at these safety prospects. Um, Talon, what are you thinking about Steen's big performance or just the safety class in general right now? Yeah, I feel a little bit better about my Ed Reed comp I made earlier in the year um, for Steen. Yep, I love it. Um, but, yeah, dude, the, he's he's definitely into that round one conversation at 30 if he's still there. Um, right up there with Hill, right up there with Jaquan Brisker. Um, there's a there's a good chunk of safeties that the Chiefs could grab there that could be game changers at, at 30 if the, if that's the most dire need there. Of course, it, you know, for agency with, with Edge, all these names keep popping up about potential cap casualties, even cornerbacks. And so, yeah, I mean, Lewis Seen is now very much uh, potential going from uh, a Georgia Bulldog to a Kansas City Chief. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, we talk about that little tier of safeties at the bottom first or early second, but then there still seems like safeties that would be exciting to take later too so this might just be a really good safety class and it's maybe a good year to need a safety as we talked about maybe at the top so um good stuff you know i know we're running short on time so let's just rapid fire real quick any cornerbacks we want to make sure the listeners uh you know remember the name and maybe look into a little more um brian i'm gonna throw it to you did you have a cornerback from the combine that that uh stood out to you yeah, I know we talked about this this player uh, just a week ago as we were previewing, but I still haven't had the chance to uh, get a look at his his film, and that's Zion McCollum, the the Sam Houston yeah. State, a nine point nine nine on his relative athletic score. So everything was elite. Um, I mean, you just can't ignore that. And even though he played at Sam Houston State, that is something that you, you can't teach everything. There's not one test that he wasn't a lead at. Um, you, you should be able to make something useful out of a player with, with that type of athleticism. So I'm going to be looking at his film and and seeing where he might fit into these mock drafts and if that's somebody the Chiefs could wait on if they do decide to go front seven or offense in the first round. Yeah, his that testing at his size is what makes him really good. So I, I love that call, Talon. And you and Talon brought him up last show. So yeah, we ha- we have been talking about him, and and he's definitely on our radar. Um, Talon, is there another cornerback though? 
Yeah, uh, you know, the Chiefs took Nick Bolton from Missouri last year. I think they need to look a little bit harder at Caleb Evans if they're not already from Missouri. He's a corner. Um, he tested really well. Uh, he's got he's got the length. He he doesn't have you know elite straight line speed. He he ran a six four or a four 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 six forty. Um, but dude, he's six two one ninety seven. Um, he, he jumped ten uh, ten nine, I believe. So the dude is is, is an athlete, and I, I he's probably gonna not cost a very high draft pick right now. And I think he's a guy that you get in the middle rounds that could come in and really compete and uh, offer you a lot in that cornerback room. Yeah. And I have a similar player, I think similar build at least. Um, although, uh, you, you know, Evans is a little taller, but uh, Alante Taylor from Tennessee, he's about six foot. He came in at six foot and 199 pounds. So basically 200 ran a really fast 44, three, six, 40 yard dash Had the 34 and a half inch vertical as well. And he is a guy that's still getting used to the position. He, he actually was a wide receiver coming into Tennessee and moved to cornerback before his true freshman season, the summer before his true freshman season, and still ended up starting as a true freshman cornerback, even though he was a receiver at the beginning of the summer. That's pretty impressive. Always like those kind of stories. You know, you, you know those guys are natural athletes, natural football players, that they can start as true freshmen, especially at a position they weren't even recruited at, um, which is pretty crazy. So, yeah, Alante Taylor is definitely a guy I'm going to be looking at a little more too. So. We just went through a bunch of positions, a bunch of guys at the combine we liked. So that that was that was really fun. I hope you guys took a lot out of it. Um, yeah. So any parting words, guys? I'll, I'll let Brian maybe if you got any other words of wisdom before we sign off here on you know the rest of this offseason. We're the combine's behind us. We got two more months of film watching before we got the draft. Are you excited for the rest of the process? Definitely. Uh, definitely excited. Now it'll be pro day um free agency as far as nfl side and i've got an article that'll probably be out uh, by the time this podcast drops maybe we'll be out on the site um looking at some underrated free agents that we could possibly have uh joining the chiefs here in the next couple weeks nice yeah dude looking forward to that dude brian shameless plug i love when you drop stuff i love i love reading your stuff i always uh pick something up rather it's you know, something I didn't know, something I didn't know to change my opinion. Um, but yeah. Um, but dude, buckle up because we're just getting started. Like this, you know, we, we we think we thought it's been crazy before. It's about to get even crazier with with free agency, frenzy starting and, and and more draft stuff. Yeah. Get your heels in, guys. We're here we go. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself, man. This is really when it when it really starts going, man. Uh, you know, free agency is gonna tell us a lot about the team, what they need to draft. But yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have individual breakdowns coming on the site uh, more often here in the next two months. We're gonna be trying to bring back film room for you guys on the YouTube page, maybe break down some prospect film. That'll be fun. And yeah, we're just gonna keep covering the draft, guys. Uh, appreciate you keeping up with us. You know, we got our guy Rocky, Christian, Jared, Matt Stagner, everybody at the AP crew is is contributing to draft coverage this year. So we're it's a whole team effort. But appreciate you guys listening tonight. Make sure you stay tuned to the site. we got plenty of free agency preview coming up, like Brian's article and plenty of other stuff. And we'll, we'll see you next week with uh, more draft talk. Thank you very much. <laughs>